Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com, I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you, grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost, and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now, on to our weekend message. A number of years ago, I started through this journey called men's fraternity, and I'd never really been taught by my own dad what it means to be a father. And so the idea of being a father was a little scary. My son, first son was just, just born. And so I encountered this series called Men's Fraternity, and we bought it. We started going through it in the men's ministry at Sunrise. We were in the old building back then, and we've been doing it ever since, about 12 years. And it is really life-changing. Our guys do it uh, every year, and I encourage you men, if you haven't come to Men's Fraternity, to get plugged in. There's a couple years of it. It's video teaching by uh, Mr. Robert Lewis. He's a pastor at a Little Rock, Arkansas. It's really challenging. And one of the things that I learned was uh, the things I should be doing as a father. And so he talks a lot about that. What does it mean to be a man, a biblical man? What does it mean to be a biblical father? And so I wrote down a lot of notes and I started putting them into practice. And one of the things I saw that it was really impacting to me was the kind of blessings that our children need from us. And so this applies if you're a mother or father, you have a son or daughter. And so I want to start today by talking about them and take a look at them. Um, five things our children need from us. Now, you might be sitting here and thinking, okay, my kids are long gone. Okay, that's all right. They might be older. They might be moved out of the house. This still applies. Okay, you might be a grandparent at this time. This still applies. You you might be an aunt or an uncle. Maybe you don't have kids of your own. Um, But the reality is we all interact with children. Jesus himself didn't have kids. But he blessed him. Okay, so five things our children need from us by way of blessing. The first one is time together. Children need a connection with us. The little emotional, relational deposits of love uh, are so valuable. There's no way to measure what it means when you as a mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt or uncle, stop your busy life and stop just long enough to spend a significant amount of time with children. It could be any age, could be toddlers all the way up, could be your 28 year old son, who knows, you know, when you stop your impressive, awesome responsibilities, put the brakes on and just hang out. That really matters. And what you do and what you say in that time is really significant. I'll never forget this. When I was a kid living in Indiana, my grandma and grandpa had a 1972 blue light blue, mind you, Plymouth Valiant four door. It can't get any more grandma and grandpa than that. Okay. It's like serious. Okay. Had a slant six. All right. This is a grandma and grandpa car, but I love this car because every Sunday after church, we would go on Sunday afternoon drives. Anybody old enough to know what a Sunday afternoon drive is? Yeah. Those were awesome days. 
We just would go for a drive, and this was long before seatbelts were mandatory or even included, maybe. And we would just all pile in. I remember once rounding a corner in Frankfort, Indiana, and the door flying open, and Grandma reaching back around and holding on to us. That was the airbag of my childhood, okay? Grandma reaching across, you know? But when Grandma and Grandpa would take us out, they would talk to us, we would sing, they would just impart life to us. Now, I don't remember any of the actual lessons, but I remember the relationship. And it was so impacting. It was so powerful to remember that. It doesn't want me to buy a 72 Dodge Valiant, um, but it wants me to do the same with my kids. One of the favorite things that we did on those drives was on those Indiana roads. Now, there are no mountains there, but there were some hills, would be to drive fast enough to just lose your stomach a little bit. Those are great days. I do that now with my kids. Blooming Hill, Blooming Fern Road, whatever, one of the out there near Forest Grove and Cornelius. And just drive with your kids. Just spend time together. Just to stop long enough to do what your sons and daughters are doing. This last summer, my middle son was given uh, a longboard, a skateboard, uh, by his uncle. And so he was out skateboarding this summer on our driveway. We have a long driveway. And so I went out there, and it's been 40 years since I've been on a skateboard. And back then, it was a short banana board. And, um, and so I went out there, and it's like, I, I'm having fun. It's been a long time, you know? And so I went and picked up a longboard, really nice bamboo from Hawaii. It's sweet, and it's much better than my son's. So we're out there longboarding, and then my other son wants one, and one son's rollerblading. And now this is what we'll do. My wife will call me up and she'll say, Hey, it's sunny. The pavement's dry. Let's meet. And we go to the Brookwood library to Dawson Creek, to all those little trails. And we just hang out and we just hang out together. And, and, and for a dad to stop for 30 minutes and just spend time with his son, that matters to my kids. And it matters to me, our children, our grandchildren, those children, youth, and our lives, they want time with us. They need life skills. They need to know how to do the things that we know. If, if we're the typical mom and dad, we want to do it all because we think we can do it better than they can. It's probably true, but we need to impart that to our kids. I was teaching uh, my oldest son, Josiah, a little bit about blue screen and shooting video because he has this Minecraft video with blue screen he wants to shoot. So we set up a little animation studio, Will Vinton not included, um, to do no dancing raisins, but little dancing Minecraft guys and uh, zombies. And we're there and I'm showing him how to do this or that. We grab the camera and we find an SD card, put it in. And lo and behold, it's from four years ago when he and his best friend, Jaden, shot a video for school on how to change the oil on a car. And we're watching these little clips, just laughing. And I remember teaching him how to change the oil on mom's minivan. Now he's never done it since then. So it didn't really pay off yet. Um, but your kids need to know how to do these things. I know you could go to Jiffy Lube, teach them how to do it, learn how to do it. Have you looked at YouTube? You can learn how to do anything on YouTube, right? Um, how to, how to bake a cake, you know, how to do certain things, how to prepare your own meals, how to dress. I, I'll never forget a year ago, uh, February, uh, there was this little picture that went viral. Uh, a student, a young man, walked into a Target back east, and he went looking for a clip-on tie. He was going to an interview at a Chick-fil-A, and he wanted to look nice, but he didn't have a tie. And all he knew was how to clip one on. 
Well, Target didn't have any clip-on ties. They were all out, I guess. And so all they had were regular ties. Uh, the manager came up, and the young man didn't know how to tie a tie, so he showed the man how to tie a tie, tied it on himself, put it on him, and he asked him. He started you know, building this friendship. What are you doing? Well, I'm going for a job interview. Well, he's a manager, so he says, okay, here, I'm going to teach you a few things. Stand up straight. Okay, here's confidence. Look me in the eye. Shake my hand. No, that's not how you shake a hand. Shake my hand. Okay, now I'm going to ask you questions. And he started walking through what it would mean to go through a real interview. This kid had never done it. And then the whole star, uh, the target team was just starstruck over this kid who was so excited. They, you know, ushered him out. He came back the next day. He got the job. But one of the employees took a picture of that manager putting that tie on that kid. And it went viral. And I thought, you know, what would it be like if we taught our kids how to tie ties? How to put certain things together that maybe they don't know. Our kids need life skills. And they need it from mom and dad. They need real answers. It's easy, uh, it's it's normal, I think, for me to get busy and when they ask questions is to kind of give them the short answer. Here's the final answer, you know. But they need real answers. They need life answers. And one of the things that I learned a long time ago as a youth pastor is if you just give the final answer, you short circuit the learning process. Our, Our kids need to figure out things on their own, but they need to be led in the right direction. And so it's important not just to tell them, well, this is what the Bible says. But why does the Bible say that? Why does the Bible actually say it? Because there's a God who loves us. And to teach our kids, these are the precepts, the principles of the Bible, the commands of the Bible, but they're not there arbitrarily. They're not just because God wants to kill all our fun. They're there because they reflect the very heart of God. And the ultimate goal isn't to obey the law. The ultimate goal is to have a change of heart and to be the kind of people that really experience and express in our own life without the rules, what it means to be a person in this world, right? We don't need a lot of people always telling us how to do it. We need it to be from the inside. In fact, the Bible says there's a moral compass that has been placed inside of us that tells us right and wrong. We need to help our kids figure that out and fine-tune that. Uh, They need life modeling. They need to know how to enjoy life, how to have the life. They need to know what it means just to journey through life. One of the things I know I am too prone to do is to only show my sons the good side. Uh, But important to tell them the bad side. When we drove down uh, to Los Angeles a couple weeks ago, um, as my brother-in-law was, was dying, as we were hitting in the LA basin, I start talking to them about grief. I start talking, I start talking to my kids about what they're going to experience, what they're going to go through in the next 24, 48, maybe 36 hours. For the first time, you're going to see somebody die, someone you love. So I start talking them through what they're going to experience, what they could do to actually impart life to their uncle and how they could pray for him and how they could talk to him and how they, how they could focus all their energies. And they got to experience us as a family watch him die and be a part of that. And, and our kids need these things. They need to know how to tell a joke. My youngest son, Seth, he's a comic. He's a crack up. He's got this dry British sense of humor that's far beyond his years. And every once in a while I'll be sitting there and he'll just turn a phrase and say something at the dinner table. And I'll look at him and I'm thinking... Does he really know what he's saying? Because if so, he's brilliant. But I can't tell him or he'd become arrogant, right? But it's just like, you know, how to tell a story. Teach your kids how to do that. I I was teaching my middle son how to write an essay. He had a a three-page essay due. I said, here's how you write an essay. I said, if you can do this, you can write a book. It just takes a whole lot longer, okay? How to live life, how to model life. And finally, they need to know that the inner world matters. Because our children want to invite us into their inner world. And they want to be invited into our world. 
Those moments when, as a mom or dad or grandma and grandpa, you know, when there's just this tender moment where you open yourself up and when you see that they're beginning to crack open their life, they want you to go right in there. And so these are the things that our children need from us. And this is a way to actually build the next generation and to bless the next generation. One of the other things that Robert Lewis said in the men's fraternity series is that your sons and daughters need to hear these things every day as a way of blessing. And I I didn't grow up with these, but the words, I love you. I didn't hear that a lot. My dad didn't say that. And so it was a little awkward for me to say, I love you. And then, you know, I start dating my wife and I'm engaged to my wife and she's always saying, I love you. I love you. And it's a little weird for me, a little off putting. Exactly. I wasn't quite, quite sure why she was saying it so much. Okay. Because I already believed it. And if I change my mind, I'll let you know, because I'm going to say it at the wedding and that's all we need. Right? No, it's not all we need. And so it was a little weird, but it took a while. And then I started saying it back, but it was awkward. How stupid is that? But that was awkward for me to say the words, I love you. Now we say it so much in our household, it's almost a joke. We're always saying it. Hey, Noah, guess what? I know, I love you. That's right, exactly. I love you. It's a foundation. It's a relationship. I didn't grow up in a huggy household, and so that kind of thing was a little awkward for me. I show up to Sunrise in June of 94, and I was the early part of June, and I was just candidating, but before that I was looking, and I just want to show up to see what kind of church this is, you know? And so I show up, and they have a hug time. Sunrise didn't have a greeting time back then. They had a hug time. And so I'm there, I'm standing there. I'm not going to hug anybody because that's not my life. And this gal, Verna Bybee, big gal, she comes up and she smothers me. I'm like, I need to breathe, you know? Well, it didn't take very long until I enjoyed hugging people and telling people I love you. In fact, every once in a while, it's kind of weird because I'll end up, I'll be out in public and I'll go, hey, I love you. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of awkward, you know? <laughs> but that's what it is. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's the words I love you that speak so much into a person's life, our children's lives as well. I'm proud of you. To point out what our kids are good at. I know we could point out what they're bad at, but point out what they're good at. My youngest son, Seth, he's good at math. I don't know where. He didn't get it from me. He must have got it from Mary Beth. But he loves math. He was three years old and he was multiplying. He didn't understand it, but he knew how to do sets of. And he was doing this. He was counting. He counted a thousand one day just because he wanted to. It's like, you know, you could just jump to a thousand. No, I want to get all the way there. And I've done it myself. You're weird. Okay. But he loves math. He's good at that. Find something your children are good at and praise them for that. And let them know that you're proud of them for that. And finally, you know, tell them that. You know, I I noticed this. You're really good at holding a conversation. I was talking to my son, Josiah, and just saying, you know, I know you're a little shy at times and everything, but when you finally get in there, you're really good at carrying a conversation and making a person feel welcome. That's an important skill for life. Seth, I told him this, we were driving the other day. I said, you know, Seth, one of the things I just think I'm just so awesome and I'm proud of you is that nobody's a stranger. First of all, no dog is a stranger to my son, Seth, but no person is a stranger. Because just like that, you're right there and you start talking with him. Seth, you're really good at that. God has given you that ability. I think you can go far with God and people with that one because God's given you that gift. Our children need to hear that from us. I think as a people... We need to be communicating that to others. Now, maybe not your employee. I love you. Um, you know, that'd be a little awkward, you know. But, but the reality is, you know, you're really good at that. I'm really proud of you. I've seen you grow. I've seen you do these things. Don't we live in a cynical culture, a negative culture? Can't we be the positive people that build life? Actually, what the Bible refers to these are blessings. And our Heavenly Father did these to Jesus on a number of occasions. At his baptism, at his temptation... 
uh, that the transfiguration um, at the, the, the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. And, and if Jesus needed to hear these, we need to hear them and we need to speak them. So we're in the passage now, and it's in Matthew chapter 19. It's just a short little passage, just a couple verses, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to actually practice it together. We're going to do it. So what I want to do is read the verses. So Jesus one day happens upon an encounter where the disciples need to be taught a lesson. Uh, that's not the first time, right? So it says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. The word children means anywhere from a baby to a toddler, but I think it applies to all children moms and dads in the Jewish culture would often bring their children, their newborns to the rabbi, uh, to the priest and would, would want a prayer over them. We do this with what we call baby dedication. And when we bring our kids up and we pray over them and dedicate them to the Lord. And so this was a commonplace occurrence. In fact, even today, Jewish moms and dads do this on Sabbath or Shabbat on Friday for dinner. They will put their hands over their sons and they will say, may you be like Ephraim and Manasseh, those sons that Jacob or grandsons that Jacob blessed when he went to Egypt. Blessing is a part of the Old Testament culture that one would bless the other, that one generation would bless and by blessing hand over so much to that son or that daughter. The, the young ladies, they would hear these words, may you be like Sarah. May you be like Rebecca and Rachel and Leah, those wives and then mothers of the patriarchs, of those fathers of the Jewish faith. And they would speak these things on a regular basis so that the young people would feel proud and raise their shoulders up a bit that I want to be like that. That's a vision. I want to be like a leader. I want to be like a person that others would write stories about. And so this is what they did. They brought the children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples were having a bad day, right? The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. What a perspective. When I was a youth pastor, I used to talk about this a lot. You could have, when you think about young people, junior hires and high schoolers, you could have a problem perspective. And those little rats, those little punks, man, those kids, they have no respect. Or you could see a potential perspective where imagine what God could do through the young people if we just unleash them to do the kingdom business, right? You could have this mindset that says, well, they're just obstacles or they're opportunities. And I think we could have that with our kids. We could see them and, and kind of want to put them away. Remember that Mark Twain quote? I love it. It's a little story. He said, you know, when your kid, your son gets to be 12 years old, you, you put him in a barrel and poke a hole and feed him through the barrel. And then when they turn 18, you plug the barrel, right? That's the best way to deal with kids, right? No, it's not. We need to see that they are the, the movers and changers, not just of the next generation, but even today they can change their world. And yet sometimes like the disciples, we can go, that's noisy. That's crazy. That's too busy. I don't like that. That's not my style. I want to shut that down. Let's stick that back in another place. But we don't want to do that at Sunrise Church. The disciples wanted to do that, so they're scolding the parents. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Now, here's why. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. The kingdom of heaven, the whole understanding of this gospel, this message of Jesus, the good news, belongs to people with childlike faith. He placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. The disciples should have gotten this because a chapter ago, we already saw it. It's just a simple little verse. In chapter 18, Jesus says, we all need to be like children. Look at these words. 
I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is greatest, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying is, is that there is faith like a child that everybody needs. And you don't get into the kingdom of heaven unless you have faith like a child. And think about this. There's a lot of things that could complicate the message of Jesus. There's a lot of things that are confusing. And we are adults. We're really good at making things difficult. And it's easy. It's easy if we think about it, how we can take the simple story that says God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. That's a simple story. John three sixteen. every kid knows this, right? That God so loved us that he gave us his son because of our sin, because of our rebellion. He loved us and pursued us and chased after us, giving the life of his son to pay the penalty of our sin. And now he invites us not to eternal death, but to eternal life by receiving this message. Even a child can understand that. Oh, but we're adults. We're smart. We have to complicate it. We have to confuse the matter. I'm not talking about naive. I'm talking about we ask so many questions sometimes when the truth is right in front of us. I've talked to a lot of people about the gospel in my years. And some of them really want to know. And I love going down that journey where they're asking questions. But at some point, they get to this where it's like, okay, you know everything you need to know. You just got to do it. And if you don't, it's where I encounter other people. And their questions are nothing more than smoke screens. Because they're, they're, they're too smart for their own good because... They're always looking for loopholes. They're always looking for ways out. It takes faith like a child to believe. And Jesus says, if you don't become like a little child and embrace this message, you're not going to get it. That God loves you and wants you in a relationship with him. In fact, the only way to come to God is like a child would come to his mother or father running full force, arms open wide. Isn't that the picture of the prodigal son? This prodigal son, he goes off, he he burns through the money, he sends his way into poverty, and he enjoys the pleasures of sin for a season, and he wakes up amongst the pigs, and it's absolutely disgusting, and he reeks, all his friends are gone because all the money's gone, everybody's left him, and he has this moment where he looks up, and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I could go back to my dad. And he starts the long journey home and he creates his story and these words. But as soon as his father sees him, his father runs to him, not to wag the finger, scold him, not to list the sins, not to have him work his way back in the family, but to receive him as a full son. That's what our God does. He embraces us and he runs to us because he loves us. Now, why wouldn't we as sons and daughters do the same? That's the gospel message. And if, if you've never heard it like that, that's what it means to have faith like a child, that it's that simple. And what Jesus wants is for you to embrace it. Father, as we bless our children and grandchildren, we want to just remember the, the words of Jesus, um, that whatever he said and whatever he poured over them is what we're saying now, what we're pouring over into our children and to our grandchildren and to the kids that are all around us, the young students. Father, may we be the people, may we be the church that looks at the generations that are younger than us and see them not as a generation to come, but the generation that is now leading and guiding.
because their generation needs Jesus and they need the light and they need the truth. And so we pray that, that they'd be bold in their faith as they grow more intimately with you. They grow more solid and secure in their foundation of faith and then live that and breathe that and introduce others to that. We pray that in your name. Amen.